Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. now. On this Friday afternoon, good afternoon, and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? Uh, sorry? Well, I don't know. I mean, you decided... How come we're not leaving the show with U of A today? I don't know. I gave you the show sheet today. Didn't I not give you the show sheet? Well, you sent me the show sheet. You sent me a show sheet today. You sent yeah. Mitch a show sheet. Mitch, you guys got the show sheet, let's, right? Let's, let's read this show sheet today a little bit. Let's let's take a look at this. Uh, okay. Why these guys? You guys, I sent you the show sheet. Okay, so two yeah, ten, o'clock, ten, 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 two o'clock this morning. Two o'clock. Uh, fifth ranked U of A takes down Washington. Two fifteen. Why does McHale have such a great home court advantage? Is it the best in college basketball? Two thirty is Tommy Lloyd the next Lute Olson. Two forty five is there anyone that can challenge U of A in the Pac twelve? Okay. Three o'clock. Who is the best four? Player on the Wildcats: Jubelis, Balo, Creaser, Larson. Uh, U of A bench has been a weakness. Who needs to step up? Three thirty expectations. Final four or bust. Three forty-five is the number one seed. A lock now for U of A. That sounds like a damn good show sheet. Four right to there. five o'clock. Redo the two o'clock yeah, hour. Yeah. Five to six. Redo the three. Wow, o'clock that hour. is a hell of a show. <laughs> that's a good show right there. Oh God. Uh, ASU that's fans a good show. Just like like got <laughs> nauseous in their car right now. Like, <laughs> I, listen, I did that just to make you guys laugh, and, and we, obviously you guys got you got a big chuckle out of it because you know I do love the U of A basketball, and um, <laughs> so and I always get messages from people, the U of A people, like thank you for being the one person that talks U of A on the show on the station. Well, well like, but the other people, Sarah does, Sarah Cazell does. Sarah does. You see, it's not going to happen with. Vince. I think Jared Carlin does. It's not going to happen with Luke. Um, yeah, it, it's so you are you, Sarah, and Jared. Let's go. You are you are the flag yeah. bearers yeah, when it comes are. to that. We we. We had a joke yesterday that that U of A taking on Washington last night was the most important thing going on. Gambo was, did you stay up till midnight watching the game? I watched the game. Okay, I totally fell asleep halfway through the first. You know, I watched. Half. I was game. done. I was out. I thought they were going to lose because they were getting beat the whole game. I, it was it was narrow. It was it was close. I watched it this morning when I woke up. It was a close game. That is not our lead story. We're just kidding. As we were joking about it yesterday, it's not our lead story. Let's weigh in with our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo show. Y'all are trying to get clickbait. Burns and Gambo. The Weigh in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Yes, Cliff, we are trying to get clickbait because we're talking about you and we're talking about your future. And we're talking about what happens next with Cliff Kingsbury because here we are, the final football Friday for the Cardinals 2022 regular season. They are off to San Francisco. Uh, the weather is going to be a major factor. We'll talk about that a little bit. Not that the game matters at all for the Cardinals other than draft positioning. It certainly matters. What's the, the weather? Niners. Supposedly there is a giant rainstorm coming in like okay. lots and lots of rain I like, saw one of the uh, one of the, the big morning shows in San Francisco uh, you know talking with the guys about the game today this morning and uh, I didn't I, they didn't bring up the weather no, they didn't, yeah, no, no, they like didn't JJ Watt weather. brought it up today I, I wasn't aware of it until JJ said something about how it's supposed to be torrential all weekend like I even went on southwest.com or one of the airline websites and they're they're posting that there's going to be delays and whatnot because of the because of the, the weather in the Bay Area. So, yeah, okay. could be okay. a mess. Didn't anyway, know that. Right. Um, that's not for nothing, as Gambo would say. The story is about Cliff and whether Cliff Kingsbury is yeah. entering the final weekend of his career as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Now, um, let's play a couple Cliff 
cuts first, and let's talk about it. Okay. okay. Yep. Cliff was asked about it today. Has the staff had any reassurance that they will be back? Here's what he said. Um, we've talked with Michael. I have every day, and so at this point, it's just about trying to win this game. Um, so we haven't talked postseason. We haven't talked moves, anything like that. It's just about current issues and trying to win. All right, I got one more, okay. and then we're going to talk about it. This is, again, Cliff today. Point blank, do you think you will return next year with the Arizona Cardinals? Here's what he had to say about that, if it would ever load. He obviously, you know what, it's not loading for me, so I'll just tell you right now, he said that he's just focused on winning Sunday. They're all just focused on winning winning Sunday, sure. and they'll deal with that after Sunday. Yeah, there has been, and I've talked to people very, very close to the situation today. There has not been a sit-down. They do meet on a regular basis, but they haven't talked draft or trade or, you know, did upgrade into defensive line or not even who's going to be the general manager. None of that. What I will tell you, and I've reported this before, and I'm going to say it again because I know a lot of people have have, uh, have questioned this. Cliff Kingsbury has a fully guaranteed contract. There are four more years left on that contract with an option year. So there's an option year that was tacked on to the contract as well. So Cliff Kingsbury signed a five-year contract with an option year for a sixth year. One year is going to be completed. There will be four years remaining on that contract. And that contract is is, is roughly $7.5 million, give or take a little bit, but roughly $7.5 million a year. And those years are fully guaranteed. Now, I've reported this before, but I know a lot of people still question, like, is it, is it really guaranteed? No, it's fully guaranteed. So, you know, if, if there is offsetting language, if Cliff takes a job somewhere else that, you know, obviously Obviously, not all of that money would have to be paid out. Like if he took a job as a head coach in college, and or if he, which would never happen. By the way, he's got no desire to go back to college. If he does get fired, he's not going to end up being a college coach. Interesting. Um, no desire to be a head coach again. The recruiting and you know the NILs and all of that stuff. So it would okay. not be uh, Cliff would not have a desire to go back and coach at the college level. It's not something that he would have a desire to do. But if he got a, 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 an offensive coordinator job and they paid him a certain amount of money, that could be deducted. So there's offsetting language about if he would take another job that not that but the four years that are left, if Cliff decides, you know what, I'm gonna sit on a beach and drink pina coladas all day. They got they gotta pay him for four years. They gotta pay him for four years. There is no they could pay him half, or they could, they gotta pay him for four years. That's the deal. That was the contract, and there is an option year that was tacked on. Okay, the question that kind of sprouts off of that. Well, actually I've got two questions that sprouts off of that. Okay. I mean, number one, and I'll save number one for later, uh, because it has to do with him not returning to college, will this? If this is the pardon the pun, the money question, will that money prevent the Cardinals from doing whatever they want to do? Will that be a factor in doing what they want to do? How how much do they consider? What was that? You sent me the story. You guys talked about it when I was on vacation a couple of weeks ago. Was it eight hundred million, million dollars? Yeah, being spent in this league mm-hmm. for coaches and general managers to go away. That's a ridiculous yeah. amount of money, and yet it's also reflective of just how much money there is in the game right now that you can afford to spend $800 million to make coaches go away. Look, we'll know in 48 hours. I mean, we'll know in 48 hours, 72. So we'll know in 72 hours. Almost I mean, we'll know by this time Monday. We know if Cliff Kingsbury is going to be, gonna, they would fire him by now. I mean, this isn't going to take long. I, I think what we know right now that this is, I think we're in the same boat we've been in for many weeks. This is Michael's decision. He's going to ultimately decide. I think he knows what he's going to do, but he hasn't given anybody in, any indication one way or another what's going to happen. Cliff does not have 
any answers to like nobody's spoken to Cliff about can you change your coaching staff? What if we kept you? Could you move on and, and you know change a couple coaches? What could we do to? None of that's been discussed yet. Yet now, I would imagine either Friday after the San Francisco game or Monday morning, all of this gets hashed out and figured out, and we'll have our answers on Monday. I can't imagine that without it drags out any further. And there's only one possible scenario, and I'll bring this up hypothetically, one possible scenario in which it could get dragged out further. And maybe this isn't a possibility. I don't know. But I'm just thinking out loud. Do you wait on a decision about Cliff because you're waiting to see if you can get a Sean Payton type? If there's a particular coach that you're targeting Mm -hmm. to be your next head coach, and you at some point realize you're not going to get that guy, do you keep Cliff in that scenario? Or... So you're basically saying, I would only fire Cliff if I could get Sean Payton. I would only fire Cliff if I could get Coach fill-in-the-blank, whoever that yeah. coach may be. Okay. I don't know if it's specifically Sean Payton, but yes, let's let's say hypothetically it's Sean Payton. Would they wait on a decision until Cliff, until they get more clarification about others that might be available for the job? And I know you don't know the answer to that. I'm just trying to present a scenario in which maybe this doesn't happen Sunday night. Maybe this doesn't happen Monday morning. Maybe there's an awkward sort Sort of waiting period where you know I'm not sure let's find out who else is out there who could I get I don't know I don't know the answer to that question but that might be one avenue in which this doesn't happen on Monday if it's even gonna happen on Monday I don't know I first I think it would be unfair to drag it out and to drag Cliff and the coaching staff along they're all waiting for it they've been asked about this dozens of times they're gonna want some clarity on Monday as well so if you're going to make the decision, you call Sean Payton right away, you talk to him, you talk to his agent, you try to figure out what compensation you would have to give up, and you, you, you strike a deal right away, and then you move, you know, then you go and you tell your coaching staff. I would think that it's unfair to drag it out for any for long period of time because you're going to try to wait and see if Sean Payton would take a job with you. I, I, I would think you're right. Again, I was just kind of thinking out loud on that one, and I'll continue to say what I've been believing for a while. I, I think, Michael, I don't know what it is he's going to do, I think he knows what he's going to do. Like I think he's I known for a I while. I, I, I you think, have to. I, I think by now, I don't know what else you need to know. You're if he doesn't know do by now, then he should be fired. <laughs> well, if you, let, 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 let somebody else take over. If you don't know what you're going to do by now, let somebody else take over the uh, team. You just, need to know. Just real quick note about the game. Uh, James Conner will not play Sunday for the Cardinals at running back with a shin injury. Corey Clement and Keontae Ingram will both fill the void. Uh, Cliff also said today that Zaven Collins is trending in the wrong direction to play this week. So you might not have Zavin either against the 49ers in what could be a very wet and rainy game and a game San Francisco has to win in combination with the Eagles losing in order for the Niners to get the number one they, seed in the NFC. They played once before. That was the Mexico City game, which obviously there was a lot of off-field issues that came out of that game. Yes. Um, and San Francisco just Jimmy Garoppolo ate him for lunch with like four touchdown passes. Colt McCoy played. It was a terrible game for the Cardinals. San Francisco is head and shoulders better than Arizona, and uh, I can't imagine that there's any way that the Cardinals uh, you know, are going to be able to win this football game. And to be honest with you, based on draft position, we don't really want them to win this football game. To be honest with you, I don't want them to either. Phoenix Suns are back home tonight. They're desperate for a win and in desperate need of consistency from DeAndre Ayton. We'll explain next on the Burns and Gambo Show. And Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
right, we're live from Footprint Center today. We're going to be here until 6 o'clock, and our coverage today is presented to you by FanDuel. We'll be here until 6. If you're headed down, come down and say hi. I know it's a later game, so hopefully we get a chance to see an 8 o'clock tip time tonight between the Suns and the Miami Heat, a team that, it's funny, they've won 8 of their last 12 games. Um, there have been things that have gone right for them. I know reading the stories after their loss against the Lakers a couple of nights ago, my God, it was just like sky is falling type stuff. Probably because a Lakers team that's really bad, that didn't have LeBron, didn't have Anthony Davis, beat them pretty good, which has Miami kind of trying to figure out just how good are we actually? How good sure. can we be this season when we get beat that bad? Well, it wasn't that bad. It was by three. But without LeBron and Anthony Davis, kind of has them questioning themselves a little bit. Yeah, I, listen, I think this is a good team, but they've been kind of like they haven't been able to figure themselves out, even with the winning streak. I mean, you know, they, they their offense can get very bland. I know they're trying to move off of Kyle Lowry, but when they have their regular lineup out there, Lowry and Tyler Hero and Jimmy Butler and Caleb Martin and Bam Adebayo, they've only had that lineup out there for 14 times this season because they've dealt with injuries as well. So sometimes they have problems with their offense and shooting, and um, and that could really you know do them in. The defense was an issue the last game. They, they kind of struggled with that. Uh, Russell Westbrook went off on them, played a really good game. Uh, they, they've had some losses where you just you, you, you shake your head, you boy, like, wow, how did you, they lost to the Memphis Grizzlies when Memphis was missing four starters. So I think it's a team that's trying to figure themselves out. They're a talented team. They can beat anybody on any given night, but they just haven't put it all together yet this year. Yeah, it's it, they're different issues than the issues the Suns are going through because they haven't, I mean, the, yeah, they've had the injuries, but they're not, you know, missing their best player like the Suns are, and they haven't been dealing with that like the Suns are. And again, overall, the same spot, though, right? Eight, eighth seed, right? Right? You know, right there, looking at a playing the, game right now. The record is exactly the yep. same. They're 20 and 19, mm-hmm. so there's that going for them as well. And then, of course, the Suns, we're all very familiar with what's going on with the Suns. We talk about them so much. They've they've lost four straight games. They went one and five during the road trip. They've lost seven of their last eight. They've lost 12 of their last 16 games. Nobody's walking through that door anytime soon. In fact, if anything, people are walking out that door. Campaign got hurt again. He's not available tonight. We've talked about it before. We'll mention it again. This is the continuation of a very, very difficult part of the schedule where it was Cleveland a couple of nights ago, Miami tonight, Cleveland again on Sunday, Golden State, Denver, Memphis, Brooklyn, Indiana, Memphis again. It's brutal. It's just brutal for them. How many points did Denver score last night? Well, I know this. They're up 30 over the Clippers at halftime when I turned that game off. Wow. They're up 30 over the L.A. Clippers at half. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I think I could stop watching this one now. Yeah. So it's it's Denver's good. Denver's really good. Denver's really good and, this year. And yet the Suns gave them a hell of a fight on Christmas night. And that's that's the part about this team that leaves you scratching your head. Oh, they can beat anybody a little bit. Yeah, they I can mean, beat anybody. They, they beat Memphis when they were so shorthanded. Mm-hmm. They more than hung with Denver when they were shorthanded, losing Booker the way they did. They more than hung with Cleveland, one of the best teams in the NBA. They're much like Miami. They're capable of doing these things. It just requires a greater consistency an effort than the one they're getting right now out of some guys. Yeah, I think that they really just, you know, with, without Devin Booker, it's different than losing Chris Paul. When you lose Devin Booker, you lose that guy. You lose that guy. You know, when there's five seconds left on the shot clock, that wants to take that shot. That that needs the ball. That's looking for the ball. As the shot clock's winding down, Devin Booker wants that ball. 
they've tried several different players, and we've talked about this, you know, who's going to be the guy that steps up, and maybe it was going to be different guys at different times, but nobody really has, and you know, that's the answer. I mean, nobody has. I mean, Chris Paul's not the same player. We've seen glimpses of Chris Paul play extremely well. Mikhail, what do you shoot, 3 for 15 the other day? Mikhail's yep. not that guy. He's not going to pick up the scoring load right there, and DA is not going to pick up the scoring load. He's not going to be a the DA's not going to give you a stretch of seven, you know, 30 point games out of 10. He's just not, you know, that volume of a scorer. You know, you, you would think, though, he's got the potential to be, but he's not. So, you know, where's that scoring going to come from? You had a terrific stat the other day about, you know, all the shots that Booker was, you take the 20 something shots that Booker was taking and where are those shots going? And you think, okay, it should go to these guys and it's really not going to those guys. So, you know, how are they distributing that? You know, who's, who's the guys that are taking it? It's kind of been spread out quite a bit. And you wanted it to be more Mikhail and DA, but then you watch Mikhael and DA play and say, oh, maybe it shouldn't be those guys. <laughs> so right? The, you want it to be them. In, in, in a perfect the money, world, guys. They, they, it should be them, right? right. You're, you're paying them for it to be them. And the stat was, uh, you, you mostly got it right, 22? 21 shots per game that Booker was taking on average. Only three and a half of those shots combined have gone to Mikhail Bridges and DeAndre Eaton. They're only averaging, right. combined, the two of them, three and a half, three and a half shots more per game than they were before Booker. And that's about $55 million in salary for those two guys. You would think that those guys would be the guys that would step up and shoot them. I, w- I, would, I would think that the guys making 55 and a half are going to get it over the guys that are making you know veterans minimum. Uh, Damian Lee. <laughs> yeah. You know, or but, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, like, you know, I I need Damian Lee to shoot the ball more, and and that's the guy that's you know that's that's on the low contract, not the guy that they that they've got got locked up to a max contract or a guy that's a close a close contract contract to max. We briefly had a conversation yesterday, if you missed it, about DeAndre Ayton and the date that is getting closer and closer. Today's January sixth. We all remember from the max contracts he got this offseason that the offer sheet that the Suns matched in ninety seconds. One of the provisions of that was that the Suns could trade him on January 15th if they were so inclined to do it. He had, with his approval. With his approval. Thank you. Yep, with his approval. Um, but we all recognize, too, kind of the catch-22 of that situation with Aiton. Yeah, January 15th is the first day, first day you could trade him. Yeah, there might be interest in trading him. But if he's playing really well and you're winning a bunch of games, you're not going to want to trade him. And if he's not playing really well and you're not winning a bunch of games, who's going to want him? And, and that sort of becomes the in the poll with Aiton, and, and we weren't the only ones talking about that. Yesterday on the Bill Simmons podcast, he and one of their NBA um, journalists, Rob Mahoney, they were talking about DeAndre Ayton, and they both agreed that in terms of disappointments this year, it's been really disappointing to see DeAndre Ayton killing his trade value. This has been a really dispiriting season of watching DeAndre Ayton play basketball, to be totally honest with you, and that's mm. the, the problem with that is exactly what you outlined. Like, everyone in the league knows it. These teams are playing against him. They're seeing him kind of float through some games, like not really assert himself, like have opportunities where he could be dominant, but just doesn't. Everyone in the league is clocking the same things with, about DeAndre Ayton that we are, and those teams are not going to give you tons of stuff in a trade for him. That's that's just really not going to happen. And yet Bridges is the guy you would probably want to hold on to. So I, I don't know how you navigate that. It's exactly what you said. Look, the Suns didn't want to pay DeAndre Ayton $30 million. They were kind of forced to. Well, they're going to lose him for nothing. I've had a lot of you know GMs and coaches over the years for other teams tell me that I you know sometimes I overvalue the players here in Phoenix, and I and I do. I, mean, I have a tendency. You look at a guy and you feel like you know, oh man, you know we see him night in and night out, and we like them, but you know, and and maybe we do. Maybe we fall in love with the players and everything. I thought DeAndre was worthy of of keeping at a max contract, but I think we tend to, 
and I think I'm not the only one, but I think a lot of people here tend to overvalue the players that are here. You do it in every sport. You overvalue a guy. And, you know, maybe there was overvaluing DeAndre Ayton. Now, you know, if you let DeAndre Ayton walk and you lose him for nothing, that's just bad business. Yeah, so you weren't yeah. in a good spot to do it. You're almost like you damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because you're right. I mean, DeAndre Ayton plays really well. You want to keep him. He doesn't play well. Nobody's going to want to trade for a guy that's going to make between 30 and $35 million every year for the next four years. Yeah, it's it's there's such a – man, it's so hard when – and I'm not trying to defend a team or a decision they make. But it is. It's bad business to just let him walk and get nothing in exchange for him. And it, but in some ways, much like Kyler, you were giving him that contract extension out of fear. Not necessarily out of belief, but out of fear. Or out of the fear of losing him for nothing. Out of the fear of, you know, what if he's great somewhere else and we had him here and didn't recognize his greatness. And and it, it feels like more often than not, when you pay guys out of the fear like that, you're going to get it wrong, right? Because you're just, man, we can't just let him go for nothing. Well, you, you could have let him go for nothing if you really wanted to, but that would have been such a financial mistake, and yet there was always this fear, this underlying fear, that if you keep him and you pay him and nothing gets better, nothing improves, what have you bought with your money? No, what, well, what, 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 happens, what happens in those situations is that you find another team that wants to get off of a player like you may want to get off of your player, and you just, look, you try to make the best of a, a bad situation. I'll give you a player that really doesn't fit with us, and you give me a player that really doesn't fit with you, and let's hope that something changes yep. for the better for each of those guys. And that's what happens a lot of times when you're trying to get – look, like I said, I'm, Miami's trying to get off of Kyle Lowry. Okay, it's not reported yet, but I know that Miami is making calls to try to get off of Kyle Lowry. And I know Atlanta's trying to get off of John Collins. We've talked about that before. I, I don't believe that Phoenix is at the point right now where they want to get off of DeAndre Ayton, but they could get to that point. Yeah. Text your thoughts on the FanDuel text line. It's open for you right now. 620-620 when we come back. The 49ers appear to be on a mission. Is there any worry that the Niners have heading into this final game of the season? We'll go to the Bay Area, and we'll find out next. I'm Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Sold. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, so the NFL's regular season wraps up on Sunday for the Cardinals. Thank God. <laughs> Seriously, can't watch another game. <laughs> well, you're not, you're not I'm wrong. serious. I can't watch it's, one more game after this season. It's been a long season. There's no doubt about that. And it's going to end in San Francisco against the 49ers, who no doubt have an entirely different perspective on this season and how excited they are to see it continue. And joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line, show host from KNBR Radio, along with Tom Tolbert, Adam Copeland, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Uh, the Burns and Gambo Show. Adam, welcome back to the program. We appreciate it, man. How you doing today? Oh, good to have you guys on it. It was funny, though, and, and funny to hear you guys joke about the, uh, the season coming to an end because I think every NFL team and every MLB team and NBA team has those years where you're like, God, dude, mercifully, it's coming to an end. But I got a kick out of, uh, out of your producer Mitch texting me and, and asking if I could come on to talk some football, but also that we're already looking ahead to baseball going, hey, let's get some Longoria talk in. And oh, 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 baseball hey. chatter is always good by me. Adam, there, there's no question. Part of the reason why we booked you is because we've got Evan Longoria in our back pocket to be able to talk about in case, <laughs> in, in case we've got a couple 
more questions about the 49ers than, you know, yeah. let's talk about Longoria instead. Let's talk about that. But let's let's start with this Niners game. And, and from your perspective and from the 49ers' perspective, how knowing that they can still get the number one seed, knowing that it's going to require to have kind of one eyeball on the Eagles and the Giants, what are your expectations and what's been said about how the Niners are going to approach this game on Sunday against the Cards? I, I'm a big fan of the bird in the hand. You know what I mean? I mean, they've got to be pretty happy, and, and I know they are. That they're in the two spot right now. That if they had to go to Minnesota, uh, that would have been a game where I think the 49ers could still go on the road and be favored in that matchup. But they much rather get to play games at home, uh, get to sleep in their own beds, do it in this time zone, and feel comfortable with that. In terms of, of their chances at getting the one seed, I mean, I, I feel like it's pretty slim. It feels like this should be a pretty handled win against Arizona. That that game is going to be early enough where they're paying attention to what's happening with the. Uh, the Giants game as they're playing football as well because they kick off at, at 125 local time here in the Bay Area. But, I mean, I, you know, it's so funny. Brian Dable's like, uh, yeah, we're going to play all our guys this week, and you see it's a 14-point spread. Like, I don't think anybody's <laughs> expecting them to put up a fight against the Eagles. The Eagles have something to play for here. Jalen Hurts uh, has been practicing with the first team, according to receiver A.J. Brown. It looks like he should be ready to go. So I think the Eagles are looking at this like sort of a brush-up game, a game that they need to get their ones out there, get some work in for them, knock some of that rust off for Jalen hurts and then maybe take that bye week and get ready for what could happen in the divisional round but as far as anticipation goes i'm expecting the niners to go into the playoffs as the two seed next week yeah i think so i i i think they're the favorites to win in the nfc i i I think they could beat philly even in philadelphia uh but the thing we're looking at here is the cardinals and draft position i would imagine the 49ers go out there and keep their eye on that other game but do you see any scenario in which the 49ers decide to start resting guys and maybe take their foot off the pedal in this game we, uh, I actually talked to Kyle Shanahan about this yesterday on our show, uh, you know, the, the rest versus rust thing. And I think if you had a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo who was still starting, you could say, hey, let's, let's sort of play it by ear. Let's get him out there for a half, maybe three quarters, see how things go. You want guys to get out there, and, and everybody understands what football shape means relative to being in, in regular shape. And so if they had been sort of callous to this point and – felt pretty good about where they were. And some of the big-name guys, your Nick Bo says, uh, we'll see what happens with some of the defensive players. I saw Eric Armstead didn't practice today, and Kyle Shanahan's going to meet with the media here uh, in just a few minutes, so we'll find out what his status is. But for the, the guys who are vets and who are nicked up and banged up, I think because you've made these deep runs into the playoffs in the last few years, you're careful with them. As far as Brock Purdy goes, I think I want to see, and, and I think most people want to see, and it seems like this is where Kyle is leaning, is that they, they think he needs to play. He needs the reps. He's still a rookie. The this will be his fifth NFL start, which is unbelievable. It's been maybe the best story in all of football for 2022. Mr. Irrelevant leading a team to the playoffs, to a division title on the road in Seattle, and now potentially being a team, like you said, that could, uh, could take down the NFC crown. So I don't know if they'll get to a spot where they're going to rest anybody. Some of the bigger name guys may come out of the game early, but I'd expect most guys to play because, like you said, they do still have a shot. And for all we know, the Eagles come out and they lay an egg and the Giants run away with it for some, some strange reason. Weirder things have happened in football. So... Uh, I, I think they start with the starters. I'd expect Brock Purdy to play most of the entire game unless it gets really out of hand, and in which any case you'd see the starters sit down. Adam Copeland from KNBR, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show, talking 49ers and Cardinals uh, coming up this weekend. The Brock Purdy story is, I mean, it feels Kurt Warner-esque, the way yeah. this has evolved and it, the similarities are, are so stark that, that it, it's hard not to talk about it. What is the belief in the Bay Area that the 49ers can win it all with Brock Purdy? Purdy a quarterback. 
Well, it's funny. So I grew up here. I met an Niner fan my whole life. My mom was a season ticket holder throughout the 80s and the 90s, and we had him when I was a kid. And, and I've never been a, a, a believer in, in going to Super Bowls and losing. And then come my lifetime, they've, they've been to three. They won in 94, and they've lost the last two. And so you're from a fan base here, and you've got a fan base. Steve Young said it years ago when Colin Kaepernick went to the Super Bowl. It's a fan base that thinks it's okay to lose NFC Championship games. It's not okay to lose Super Bowls. But now it's a fan base that's lost a couple, and there are expectations here. This is not uh, an organization or a fan base that is used to going all the way and losing that uh, that Super Bowl matchup. And so, for me, my belief is they're good enough to get there. What you're asking Brock Purdy to do, though, is something nobody has ever done before. I'm with you 100% on the Kurt Warner uh, uh, comparison, but it's more of a comparison based on what the achievement has been to this point, less so than it's about what their skill sets are. Because while Brock Purdy is a, is a talented player, and I think he surprised a lot of us with some of his skill sets, he's working with some of the best offensive weapons in all of football. You'd be hard-pressed to find any offense that has as many uh, all-pro caliber or Pro Bowl caliber weapons that Brock Purdy has, but he doesn't have the big arm the way Kurt Warner did. Kurt Warner was out there airing it out for 350 yards a game in that offense, and they just found a guy that made that thing click with that greatest show on turf, and then we saw what he did again, making 3,000-yard receivers in Arizona. Hell, Steve Breston was a 1,000-yard receiver when he was out there with you guys and, and going to a Super Bowl. So I think those comps are good, but you're asking a, a rookie quarterback here to go out and win at least three playoff games as the two seed to get you to the Super Bowl. No rookie's ever done that. And the only two guys who have ever won two playoff games started from week one. That was Mark Sanchez did it, and I believe Joe Flacco did it, and both those guys fell short in the uh, in the AFC Championship. So we'll see what happens. It's a fun story, but I, I still have that, that rookie quarterback thing in the back of my head that no matter what we see, we just don't know what's going to happen in every situation. Yeah, and, and, you know, I grew up in New York, and I was a, you know, I'm a Giants fan. I remember yeah. know, the, with, with Sims, they won one, and when Sims got hurt, they won one with Hostetler. They never had great oh, wide dude, receivers. Wanna, come on. We got to go Hostetler now? Hostetler. Yeah, but, Jeff Hostetler. Yeah, <laughs> Phil McConkey was like our Phil McConkey was like our best receiver. We didn't have any receivers. <laughs> Look, it was you could win with a great defense and a good running game. And I think San Francisco, I think that they could prove that. I think I think they get to the Super Bowl. I really do because I think their defense is great and I think they can run the football and they've got those weapons. And, you know, we're adding McCaffrey. And, you know, the game's changed now. Where you throw the ball to the running back a hell of a lot more, which is kind of like a running play. So I just, I do, I think, you know, outside of the quarterback, I mean, I, I, I think they're more talented than these other teams with, you know, with their ability to run the football, with their ability to play great defense. You, you make a great point in that, and I think everybody has seen that now, that the 49ers, I saw a note the other day that I think Sam Howell's going to start this week for the uh, the Washington Commanders. Yep. He'll be the 65th different starting quarterback in the NFL this year, which is the most in the history of the NFL in any one season with the exception of 1987, which was that strike year. And I think what it's showing us now is, you're right, a lot of teams are trying to create this system and have these, these offenses where you can plug and play guys. And while we see that at different positions, the quarterback is the constant, I think, in NFL history where you, you pull that starting quarterback quarterback out, you're kind of rolling the dice on whatever happens with that backup guy, no matter how good the weapons around him are. And we see that now, especially in terms of fantasy and gambling and how much we're paying attention to individual stats. But the Niners have done that. They've proven that their offense is not focused around the quarterback winning. I think like franchise quarterbacks, like the, the Patriots right now have eight wins, right? You figure if they've got Tom Brady, he makes up at least four wins. I, I feel like franchise quarterbacks make up four wins a season or need to make up about four wins a year. The Niners don't need that. They haven't needed that. They're on their third quarterback, the last pick of the draft, and the offense is something as good as it has all year.
Uh, let, let's talk about the Giants. That potent lineup with yeah. Correa and with Correa and Aaron Judge in the lineup now. I mean, three, four in that lineup. I mean, you guys are going to be so dang. Oh wait, they didn't get either one of them. Oh. Somebody woke up in a surly uh. mood today. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, dude, it is, uh, it is so funny because I'm, I'm like that's my first and foremost. I told you I grew up in the Bay Area. The Giants are my absolute favorite thing in the world. I love baseball. I love San Francisco Giants baseball. So this was going to be kind of a new concept for for Giants fans going back to 1993 when they made that or 92, really, late 92, when they made the signing of Barry Bonds for the 93 season. So to miss out on Aaron Judge was, was heartbreaking for fans. But as a, like, like as a fan or as a fan base, I understood what Aaron Judge would have meant in terms of butts and seats and ticket sales and jersey sales. And I understand the business side of it. As a baseball guy, I thought Carlos Correa is the far better guy and the far better player to build around. He's younger. His bat uh, plays to all fields. He's a gold glove caliber player. He can move to third base at some point if you need him to. Aaron Judge, a guy that big, I just at the back end of the contract, the years may not work out that well. But uh, to your point, I guess it, I guess it doesn't really matter what I think they didn't end up with either of them. So uh, it has been a headache of an offseason for Giants fans, for sure. Nobody leave us with this. Adam Copeland from KNBR in the Bay Area there. Leave us with this about Evan Longoria. The uh, press conference was held today. He signs the one-year deal. It had long been in the rumored mill that this was going to happen. It did. Uh, no one's expecting a lot, but tell us what we're getting in Evan Longoria. Well, here's the thing. I, you know, you're not going to get the, the player that was, you know, sort of on his way to a Hall of Fame caliber career. And he'll be on the ballot. I mean, this is a guy with 300 plus home runs at third base. This is a, a plus player for his generation. He's a really, really, really good guy. And I know fans, that doesn't mean a whole lot sometimes. You're looking for, for guys who are going to impact the team. In baseball, I feel like more than any other sport, you guys know, being around players and clubhouses, guys who are with each other every single day from February to October, sometimes through October, you need those clubhouse gel guys, glue guys. And for a Giants team that was big time in transition during the entire five-year run that Longoria was here. He was was an absolute constant in that sort of mindset. And, and you got to think about this. This is a guy who left his family in Tampa. He signed a five-year or six-year contract extension. Thought he was going to finish his career as a Ray, and he gets traded across the country. He wasn't with his family for the last five years. I don't know if they'll be moving with him out to Arizona, but they were staying out in Tampa. So he was away from his family and was still having this positive impact. So this is the type of guy who, despite the Diamondbacks are in, I wholeheartedly believe that they are built right now as the third best team in the division. They've got good pitching. They've got good young athletic talent that started to make its uh, debut last year. You've got established players that have been there for a while. Uh, you get a guy like that in a clubhouse that is, that is in transition and ready to make that next step. He's the perfect type of veteran to have. Plus, he's a pro. I mean, a guy who doesn't need to play every day, who can DH, who hammers left-handed pitching. This is the guy that you want on a team that, that could be dangerous in the West and I think is definitely a threat to make a, a wild-card playoff push this a year. Adam, we appreciate the time as always. Thank you for coming on. We'll welcome you back anytime, okay? Thanks, fellas. Thanks, Adam. Adam Copeland from KNBR, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show and the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, the NFL confirmed today some of the changes to the playoffs as a result of the Monday night game being canceled. That means everything is riding on what happens on Sunday. We'll share the plan, the big games, next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. After that, we send it back to the auction community studios where Eric Ruby is standing by with today's Twitter poll question of the day. Rubes, what you got for us today? Well, we're talking number one picks here, but I'm not talking about number one picks in the future. 
We're talking about number one picks from the past. Both of former number one picks in Arizona have signed massive contract extensions this past offseason. Out of Kyler Murray and DeAndre Ayton, who are you more confident in reaching their maximum potential during that contract? Absolutely great question. This is a brilliant question. Brilliant! Who came up with it? You. Earlier this week, and then I remembered it today, so I'm putting it out there. I didn't even know I came up with it. Did I really? Here's the thing. You said it was something similar like, oh, who are who are people more out on, Kyler Murray or DeAndre Ayton? And then you gave me that look that you give me when you're like, you need to remember that. Okay. And so then I forgot about it. And then I forgot it. I forgot about it for two days, and then I remembered this morning. Now, that is a poll question. (laughs) Wow. I mean, I was really going to give somebody a lot of credit. I I didn't know it was my own idea. Just take that hand and pat yourself right on the back, mister. No, I was patting him on the back. <laughs> I didn't. I honestly didn't realize that it was my idea. But it's a phenomenal question. Which guy am I more confident that they're going to reach their maximum potential? Kyler. Kyler. He can't read a defense. Uh, I, Kyler. I, I, I just... I think... I think because... He can, at some point, learn how to read a defense. I don't know if DeAndre Ayton can learn to be more of a badass on the basketball court. I was going to go, you know, like, I was going to go D.A., but with another team. Mm. You also have seen DeAndre Ayton in the playoffs make it to the finals. Kyler Murray's sole playoff appearance didn't go that great. That's a very fair fair point. That's a very fair point. I, I... I mean, Kyler. he's dominated. He has dominated he, he, he playoff dominated games. the postseason. He absolutely, that finals run, he was that we have seen dominant stretches of basketball. We've seen dominant stretches of basketball from him this season, in which, oh my God, look at DeAndre Eaton. He's playing so well, but that's that's Eaton. I'm, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to stick with my answer. I'm going to go with Kyler, but this is a really good question. This is a really good question. I'm going to stay with Kyler. Gambo, are you going Kyler too? Or you I went, no, I was going DA. Okay, and, well, and, and not not to disagree with Bernsey, I just because of the that we have seen him dominate in the playoffs, and I think maybe even like if he was on a different team, maybe he even gives can give you more. The results of this one are interesting. Leading the way, getting all the confidence, fifty eight point two percent rolling with Kyler Murray that they are more confident in him reaching his maximum potential. That means forty one point eight percent rolling with DeAndre. Okay, good question. Like it and. And whoever gets the credit for it. Gambo, good idea early. Eric, good idea for morphing it into a question today. I like it. That's a good one. I think they should get a lot of traction on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. Find it at Burns and Gambo. One word on social media is where you can get it. All right, so the NFL made their decision today. And by a, I think it was like a 25-7 to 7 vote, which was one more vote than they needed. Should I swing, scream 25-7? to 7? <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please don't. I mean, unless, unless you no, want it was to. 28, what was it? 28, 28 to 5? 5. 28, 28 to 5. 28 to 5. How could you forget that, for uh, goodness sakes? 28 to 5. Uh, the league today voted for, uh, with that margin that they're going to go ahead with the changes that had been proposed. They got 25 yes votes today. Three to four owners voted no. The rest abstained from the conversation. They will not replay or finish, I should say, the Bills-Bengals game. They will go based on win percentage to see who wins the division, and they will factor in neutral sites. And it's kind of convoluted. I don't want to go through everything because it's a little bit minutiae. Yeah. But basically, the simple explanation is if 
Buffalo doesn't win the number one seed and Kansas City does. Which is likely. And Kansas City and Buffalo meet in the AFC Championship game. That game will be at a neutral site. It will not be in Kansas City. They don't want to reward Kansas City with home field advantage for a game that on they didn't tragedy. fully, completely earn on a tragedy. Okay. So that game okay. will be at a neutral. Yeah. Kansas City will still be the number one seed, and will still get the buy that comes along. But they with don't it. get they don't get their crowd. They don't get their crowd. They don't get Arrowhead. They don't get their crowd. The familiarity. They don't get that. They haven't okay. announced where that neutral site game would be. Also, um, at, the Bengals are the AFC North champion. They've, they've won it. But if the Ravens beat them this weekend, and I think I saw Lamar Jackson has been ruled out. He won't play for Baltimore. Flip that weekend. coin. Flip that coin to see who gets home field advantage for that game. If they end up playing each other. If they play each other. If they, but it would have to be they have to play each other. Right. They would If they play each other and the Ravens win, the Ravens will have swept the season series from the Bengals, but win percentage pushes the Bengals ahead of Baltimore. So out of fairness to that, they'll flip a coin to see who gets home field Couldn't advantage. Could have had an arm wrestling contest between two of the offensive linemen? Was that not, was that not on a table? Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if that was Name that tune between you know two music lovers? Come on. <laughs> coin flip. Here. Coin flip. Nice and fair and simple. Yeah, and listen, it so. is what it is. Let's, I mean, to me, like, like, okay, they, they made the decision. We're going to move on from this. I don't necessarily like it. I think that either Buffalo or Kansas City should have the right, you know, you fight all season long to try to get that. And I think that they should have played it out and, you know, and uh, and figured out who's going to, because home field advantage and the first, and that buy is, is very, very important. And so now they're kind of taking that off the table. So at least from Buffalo, Buffalo is not going to be very unlikely going to be able to get the first round buy now. Now, if New England beats Buffalo, then, you know, then, you know, maybe say you could say it, all, it really was all going to work out in the end. Maybe, perhaps, uh, and, and how this all shakes out now with... What does Buffalo have to play for now? Oh, they can still get the number one seed if Kansas City loses. You know, Kansas City loses and Buffalo wins, they get the number... And if that's that, if that happens, if Buffalo gets the number one seed... Game same time? The, the neutral... Well, no, the Chiefs play on Saturday. Bills play on Sunday morning. Okay, Chiefs win Saturday. You're the Bills. What do you have to play for Sunday? Um, nothing. Then that's, then that's my buy. Yeah. That's my buy. Yep. You know what? You guys aren't playing. You don't have anything. You, you really don't have anything to play for because no. you can't get the number one seed. If so, Kansas, Kansas City, City wins, wins Saturday. Game. If Kansas City wins Saturday, Kansas City loses Saturday. You play as hard as you can Sunday. You win. You got home field advantage. Kansas City wins on Saturday, and you're the Bills. I'm get, That's my bye week. You guys aren't playing. Mm-hmm. I'm not playing anybody. Yeah. Because I'm going to have to play the next week. And I'll tell you something else that affects the Cardinals here too. If the Ravens lose their game to Cincinnati, okay, the Ravens are locked into six. Here's why that matters for the Cardinals. If the Ravens are locked into six, it means the Chargers are locked into five. The Chargers play the Broncos. The Broncos are favored in that game to win. Okay, the Broncos winning helps the Cardinals if they lose because the Cardinals could move up to number three. And the Broncos have no incentive to win because their draft pick uh, to lose because their draft pick goes to Seattle. Exactly. So, I mean, if you follow me on this one, in some ways, if you're a Cardinals fan, I think you're kind of rooting for the Ravens to lose that game because that takes the incentive away for the Chargers to play all of their guys and try to win. They're locked in at number five. And quite frankly, they'd probably rather have five because they're going to get Jacksonville, Tennessee, the winner of that in that 4-5 match. 
matchup, then that means the Chargers rest a bunch of guys. Maybe that means the Broncos win that game, and it helps you out by moving out to number three when it's all said and done. I don't know, just, just one of those things to keep an eye on. There's, there is so much on the line this weekend. Uh, of course, we, we went through the NFC game. Seattle plays the Rams on Sunday. You pointed out yesterday, and you're so right, that when Seattle wins that game, they take the incentive away totally. from Detroit to want totally. to beat the, 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 they the Packers. Seattle, right? they Seattle, because they want Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs. Well, you know what they, what they screwed up with? Th- those two games should be on at the same time. Yes, totally. The, 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 the Packers-Lions totally. should not be the Sunday night game. No. That, that, that might be the most Dumb. unfair thing that's happening this weekend. Totally. Because for Seattle, it's like the minute we win, we take the incentive away from, from the, the Lions. Lions to play hard in that game they, they, and win they, the game. Yeah, they're going to be devastated. Their chances of making the playoffs are over. They can't make it. Those, you know? those two games need to be on at the same time. I, and listen, I'll tell you, no, not I, I want the Lions to get in. Okay, I'm rooting for the Lions. Okay, not that anybody's ever rooted for the Lions. Lions outside of Detroit fans ever. I'm I'm rooting for the Lions. Let's I'm go. I'm too. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I I'm Seattle loses to the Rams, okay? That means that game is for all the marbles on Sunday night. That'd be great. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. And I would totally root for the Lions in a situation like that. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, it is time to go inside the front office of the Arizona Cardinals for our weekly visit. This week, we'll be visiting with the Vice President of Player Personnel, Quentin Harris. He'll join us next on the Burns and Gambo show.